Well, welcome back, everyone, to the show. Um, today we have a very special guest. Um, the torch that he carries now is associate pastor at Ridgeview Church, which encompasses a lot of things, not just uh, you know teaching, running the men's ministry. There's a bunch of hats that that he wears. But I'd like to welcome Mr. Dave Anderson. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. It's Dave, great. Thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. It's comfy in here. It is. Yeah. It is. I like the couch. This was our uh, our family's couch, and then it just got moved out here. That's usually what happens with the family couch. Yes. So the family gets a new one. I get the hand-me-downs. Yes. But it works. That's okay. awesome. Yep. Very comfy. Yes. So first question I have for you. Uh, wow, you're, no like you're warm a, up or anything? No, it's it's a warm up. Okay. You're Softball. you and I you and I share a common interest in Star Wars. I was just checking out your Star Wars posters. I got some in here. Yeah. yeah. I've sent you a couple of memes. I think I've got one on my phone I want to send you later. Okay. <laughs> really good. Uh, Star Wars is a family tradition. Okay. Uh, it's a Christmas tradition for the Andersons. We um we don't do a lot of gift exchanges and stuff. We have tamales that are homemade. We hang out, we wear our PJs, and we watch all six of the Star Wars movies. Okay, so do you watch them in order, or do you watch them in release order? We Well, we used to watch them in release order, but now we watch okay. them in order. And we still get lost, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the little kids run around and play, and the older kids try to explain to me all the nuances that I don't catch. <laughs> so you're more of nostalgia, I would think? Like, episodes four, five, and six are... Yeah, I really like episodes four, five, and six. I I did like the Mandalorian when it came yes. out. I thought that was pretty good. Not not so sure on uh, Ashoka or whatever it is that's out right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay, but you know, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I like the spinoffs like the Rogue One. Yes. and Solo. Uh, those are I like good. those. Yeah, I like character development. Yeah, that's you know anything where you can see oh okay that explains some of these actions later and if they do a good nod to it it's good yeah if they don't and it's completely not the same character basically that we remember yes this is not there that's tough yeah yeah well i i enjoy it i i didn't really get into it um that much until my kids got into mm-hmm. it i showed them you know episode 4 and they were hooked for some reason i thought i didn't think they would like it but it was during covid actually there you go. So it was just, we just started watching Star Wars. You're voracious for anything during COVID, right? Anything. Yeah. Give us any material and we'll gobble it up. It's got your good versus evil. It's, I mean, it's, that's good stuff. It's, yep. it's yep. fairly innocuous. Yep. Uh, if you go up to the sound booth now, our. I've seen our the Darth Vader. Darth Vader, yes, yes. He's on there. And Matt walked in one one Sunday and he was like, I don't know if we want. Oh, I think you were there. He said, I don't know if we want that kind of evil in in the room. <laughs> and I said, you know, he gets redeemed at the end. Like before he dies, he said, yeah. he realizes, you know, he turns around and he wants, he knows that what he was doing was completely wrong. wrong. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's probably one of the best pictures of repentance ever, right? I mean, he destroys evil in his last act of repentance. Yeah, Luke, Luke said. First and last, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Luke says, I'm going to save you, right? And then he says, you already have. Mm-hmm. Like That's his last breath, I think. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, I wouldn't exactly sit down and go, hey, put your Bibles away. We're going to watch Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's got some redeeming qualities. It's a good sure. parallel. It's hey, a good parallel. Absolutely. Well, you do a lot for our church. Um, but I want to talk about how you kind of got here. Okay. Um, and there's, there's also some ministries you have outside that... Um, I wanted to also highlight. Well, let's let's kind of get some history. So you're married. <laughs> There's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. You're married. How long have you been married? Uh, this year, uh, November will be 28 years. Okay, that's a big deal. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks. That's great. And it's 2023, so y'all can do the math on yeah. that. Uh, and you have you have two kids that are five children, one granddaughter. If you okay. go through, if you go through the whole bit. Um, I was previously married many years ago, before coming to Christ. So I have a 35-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and a five-year-old granddaughter in California. I have a 26-year-old and 24-year-old uh, daughter and son. Uh, one of them you work with in ministry and yep. youth ministry. Yep. Um, that's Sarah and Jake. Uh, 
And then we have um, Bethany, who came into our life nine years ago when she was a baby. We adopted her. And then six years ago, we adopted, or not six, three years ago, we adopted Ryan, who's three. And I dropped off at preschool at the church this, this morning. That's great. It's crazy. And since since you brought that up, we can just go right into that, because this is a, a really cool story um, with Beth and Ryan. Ryan both being their siblings, right? Yeah, they're 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 uh, they're half brother and half sister, same mom. Same mom. Yeah, it was crazy because we had just came down here to Rockwall. Big big change in your fifties to start in another ministry to become an associate pastor after being a senior for so many years, and um, and we got a call from the Department of Human Services and they said, hey, we've we found out that. Beth has a brother, and he's four months old, and he's in another place in Texas. And would you like to bring him into your family? Um, that was a big change. We were just getting used to not having to change diapers yeah. and yeah. just not having to baby-proof the house and all those things. And <laughs> we started all over again. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I remember a sermon you gave um, speaking about that, and then the parallels in the adoption of. Of the family so of the Lord. incredible. Yeah. And how legally it's harder for you to disown an adopted child. An adopted child. Than a natural born child. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. It takes another court action to to turn away from all of your responsibilities to an adopted child. It really is kind of overwhelming when you're in, in, in court. And it opened up to me as a Christian all of those were adopted into the body of Christ passages. And I recognize that God didn't just save me, quote, but by adopting me, He's given me all of the, the inheritance mm-hmm. that that belongs to everyone in the family of God as a son of God. Yeah. And that's that just blew my mind. It really did open up a, a ton of things for me. In fact, when I did that study at the church, it's when I told the church that we were having a baby coming. Like we hadn't That's told right. anybody. I remember that. Yeah, I, I saved it for that study, and we talked about adoption, and then I showed a face hidden picture of Ryan because he was not ours yet. It's incredible. Yeah, I love those stories. So great. So you moved here. Well, let's get to let's get to how you got to. Um, you mentioned um, moving here from East Texas. Mm-hmm. So you're originally from California, though. San Diego, born San, and raised. Okay. Yeah. And you went to high school there. Poway High. And then you... I'm not supposed to sing the alma mater right here. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, we're not going to ask My for that. My singing's terrible no. anyway. Uh, there's not enough technology to pitch correct that. <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> we tried it at church. It doesn't work. Uh, graduated high school and then into the Marines or did you go to college? Graduated high school, uh, ran away from home. No, it didn't really, but sort of. Mm-hmm. Went to Colorado, went to school in Colorado for... Um, college for a few years uh, didn't work out. What was your? What were you trying to major? My in? major was I. I really wanted to. I thought I was going to be in medicine or veterinary sciences. So I was take. I went to a college in Gunnison, Colorado. It's now Western State University. It was Western State College then. Uh, took a bunch of biology classes, but really just wanted to um, go skiing mm. and hang out in Colorado because it's beautiful. Yeah, and. Um, so I came back to California after a couple of years, and then I worked a little bit, then went into the Marine Corps, went into electronics, almost ended everything, and then found the Lord. I should say he found me and um, began ministry almost yeah. immediately. That was 1995, February, February 12th, 1995. It all turned around. Yeah, you, you always talk about your anniversary or your... Your spiritual birthday, my born again birthday, born again birthday. That, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the day after my my natural birthday. Yeah. How long were you in the the Marine Corps? I was in for six years, and I think that I brought disaster to the Marine Corps or to the world because um, they hadn't had a conflict or anything for the longest time. I remember my dad was very upset for me, with me for enlisting in the Marine Corps because he was an officer in the Navy when he went in. And uh, I had, uh, I said, Dad, there hasn't been a war in forever. I'm just going to go in, 
get a few years experience, save up some money, you know, mm-hmm. maybe get out, do the GI Bill. I don't know. We'll figure something out. And as soon as I got in, uh, within I was in from eighty-seven to ninety-three. And mm-hmm. if you know those years, that's uh, the Philippine coup attempt. I happened to be there for that. Panama what happened during that, and so did the Gulf War. So there's a lot going on when I was in, and we had guys all over the place, and I was deployed quite a bit. Oh wow! Yeah, did you walk in and they were like, "We haven't"? It's one of those signs like, "We haven't had a war in X amount <laughs> yeah. of days." Yeah, they they... <laughs> like one of those OSHA signs on the yeah. wall. I think the Marines would be like, like it'd be like a sad face or something. You know, yeah. we haven't had a conflict in so long. We yeah. the Marines have been fighting everywhere since the dawn of the Marine Corps. I mean, there's always some conflict somewhere. We just don't know about them all. But as far as big conflicts, there hadn't been any until right about the time I went in. Yeah. But I wouldn't change it for the world. I learned so much about myself and camaraderie and depending upon your brother and how there has to be unity in a unit of, of individuals yeah. that I think really still is or is very apropos to ministry and kind of the way I approach ministry even now. Mm-hmm. And you weren't following the Lord then? Oh, no. No, okay. Oh, no. I was, um, I was anything. I was the poster child of of the world at that time, you know, mm-hmm. I was, it was the eighties. I was pretty wild. Um, very promiscuous and I didn't have any thought of anyone but myself. Was there someone, I think there's a story. I think you tell a story of somebody being there that would try and pour into you, but you weren't having any of it. I had a major, um, <laughs> I'm going to give them both the same last name. Because there was a sergeant and a major that were in the Gulf War with me. The sergeant was this young, very sweet-hearted, very devout Christian man who I looked at upon as like a high school kid, but you know he's mm-hmm. in his twenties, and uh, he had a soft-spoken voice, and he'd say, "You know, you know, Sergeant Anderson, someday you're going to have to talk to Jesus." And I'm like, well, he's going to have to find me because I'm running. Mm. But he just poured into me and told me, it's okay. Jesus loves me. And, you know, one of these days I'm going to see that I'm going to need him. And then there was a major that was one of the pilots that I worked with. And he um, he gave me a book, um, Charles Sheldon's book, In His Steps. It's where we actually get the what would Jesus do bracelets that came oh, out. Oh, really? Okay. That's where that question comes up. He gave me that book and asked me to read it when we were in the Gulf, and I did. And I went to Catholic services with him, you know, while we were there. But I, I listened and I read, but and things were starting to stir. But it was several years before anything really came to fruition from that. It was five mm. years later before I gave my life to Christ. Mm. But I think it's important. I look back at the times that people tried to talk to me. Um, I had a friend die when I was 16, and I had another. There was Christians in our school that were trying to talk to me then, and uh, I didn't want anything to do with God because he took my friend, you know? Yeah. In my mind, obviously, that's wrong theology, but... And were your parents Christian? Like, were you raised in a Christian home, or would you say, like, it was more like, we're checking the box Christian? It it wasn't even checking the box Christians. We were CEOs, Christmas, Easter only people. And even then, it was only when it fit into the schedule. So, and our schedule was pretty busy. My parents were decent folks. They, you know, they, I grew up in a pretty standard California middle class household. You know, everybody was kind of wild in the 80s and Mm -hmm. people were pretty selfish in the 80s. Um, My parents were working a lot and we were just kind of left to ourselves. We were kind of turnkey kids. I think at eight years old, I had a key hanging around my neck and I'd walk home from school and have the house to myself for two or three hours until my siblings got home from their school, you know? Yeah. That's a different time. Yeah, you don't do that anymore. No. Today, they'd probably lock my parents up for that. But, <laughs> yeah. But that was that was the time. I mean, it was it was innocent and not innocent mm-hmm. in those years. Um, but the things you hear about, and you know, people breaking in homes and abducting kids and stuff, I'm sure it was happening, but not on the scale it is now. No. I remember a friend from my from a church that I used to go to. He would he he grew up kind of. He's probably your age. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in that time, and 
he said that his mom would take him to the club. She was single, mm. um, and he would she would leave him in the car. Wow! While she would go into the club, think about that, dude. So you're in the back seat, no seat belt, right? Because yeah. that's not really a thing yet. And you know you're eight or nine, just in the back, windows cracked, no books, you know, nothing to do but just sit there and think. Wow! And it's just different time, man. I couldn't even imagine mm-hmm. like you'd go to jail today yeah. for that yeah absolute oh, neglect absolute i just think that there was a that was a time in our country across the entire country where everybody was in it for themselves yeah you know and the church was kind of in a in a stalemate back then in the 80s it sort of picked up in the 90s when kind of the mega church movement and the seeker sensitive things happened so in the 80s the church was in my community, almost non-existence. Nobody really talked about mm. going to church, you mm. know, or having a relationship with the Lord, which I like to say better than going to church. Obviously, right, right. you know, just didn't hear about it. Everybody was just kind of try to be better than the next guy. Yeah. What was your job in the in the Marine Corps? Did they have like specific, yeah, specific roles for you to do? I um. MOS numbers is what they use, and that was a 6483 and a 6466, which doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, it means everything to Marine Corps aviation mm-hmm. guys, but I worked on forward-looking infrared and laser-guided bomb systems, and I also worked on the systems that protected the aircraft from missiles, Okay, like the flare and the, the flares and the ALQ and all these other weird things. It was a bunch of electronics. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've always been pretty good at that kind of stuff. Um, the, in the Gulf, what probably got me sort of still makes it so I don't watch black and white war movies, Mm -hmm. um, was that I, um, my job was bomb damage assessment. So I had to watch all the videos from all the bombing raids and all the bombing runs Wow! and then tell them how many tanks were destroyed. People were destroyed. Villages were destroyed. What have you? Planes were downed. Um, so six hours of my day every day was spent, six to eight, spent watching videos and then recording what had happened and giving reports to higher-ups because they didn't want to watch the videos, so I did. That's got to be pretty jarring. Yeah, it was. Um, it, um, it made me very, very callous and very cold. Hmm. Um, but I was callous and cold because if I wasn't, I would have, been, I would have just broke down. Yeah, I think, you know, and it was one of the things. Um, someone was talking to me a, lot, a, a few months ago about a relationship with Jesus, and they said, "How do you?" It was my daughter. It was Beth was asking me, "How do you know God is real?" And I said, "Because I know the change that God made in my life." Mm. And she said, "Give me one." And I said, "I didn't cry from the age ten until I gave my life to Jesus Christ." Nothing faced me. I would get upset. I would get angry because I didn't know what to do with my emotions, but I would never let my emotions out. But I didn't cry, and the first tears I cried was because I found out that Jesus loved me. And she goes, well, that's a big change. And I said, that's the kind of change Jesus brings, right? Right, right. That's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, I think talking to my kids too, like, you know, you don't want them to have – the sort of life that you absolutely that you had right so you're trying to um i don't want to say like be overprotective but like really guide them in the way like lead them in the way mm. um, i think it's psalm 139 you know it's yes. the, it's the whole like search and know me and then at the very end it says and lead me in the way everlasting absolutely that's my favorite song by the way is it yeah. okay i love it's yeah it's one of my i mean it talks about like conception and all that stuff it's, yeah. it's great um, but the testimony, like our kids are going to hear that mm-hmm. later in life, right? So they're going to hopefully know that, yes. like, not even just like by me telling them, but like me living that life of like, okay, like I know you've changed because if you were this bad and then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I have a, a little short story about that. Uh, we were working on a parade float for some Christmas parade in Mount Pleasant. And my 26-year-old was at that time maybe eight or nine. Mm-hmm. 
And as we were working on the float with these people, there was a lady there that was caught up in drugs and drinking and having a really rough time and about ready to have a divorce. And she was kind of loud and a little boisterous. So I began to talk to her. And because the Christian thing is you you witness, and witnessing from where you come from is a lot easier. So I was witnessing from a place of understanding, but as I was telling her my story and my testimony, (laughs) my nine-year-old was listening. And I remember finishing with this lady and talking to her for about 20 minutes. And then we were walking out of the building, and I looked, and I saw, saw my daughter. And I was like, oh my goodness. She's never heard this from my lips to her right. before. She heard it in me talking to this lady, and she was just stunned. I mean, she looked like she was in shock. Sure. Um, so I we got in the truck, and we were getting ready to, to drive home, and I looked in the rearview mirror up at her, and I said, hey, honey, I'm, I'm really sorry you had to hear that, you know, but but that lady needed to hear about Jesus and what he does. And she goes, it's okay, Daddy. I know that's not who you are now. And if that's what it took to make you my daddy this way, it's okay. That's so good. Yeah. I I hang on that one a lot when I think about the past, because I do think it molds us and shapes us, makes us protective in the right ways. And it also gives us the opportunity you know, it says that we're supposed to comfort others with the comfort we've received. And I've always taken that as whatever God has guided us through, we can help other people through. Yep. Um, so the bad things that we've experienced, we have that ability to tell our kids the sanitized version to the more graphic version mm-hmm. as necessary as they grow up so that they never really um, go without the history lessons. Right. The, the Bible's full of history, right? And um, it's awesome. If, if, but if we don't learn from it, we're destined to repeat it, right? And so we can help our kids just like the Bible and the Lord have helped us by telling them, look, these are real stories to real people that really happened, and it happened to Dad. Mm-hmm. And um, let's grow from those. Let's learn from those. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Because I know the pain that comes from making the wrong decisions and doing the wrong things. Yep. Yeah. That's good. And what a what an awesome like thing to hear from your kid like at eight, like how yeah. astute, like not astute, that's not the right word. Yeah, that works. <laughs> we'll use it. All right. I'll probably cut that out. <laughs> I, I had a way better word and then I, I lost it. Okay. Oh yeah, what a mature way mm-hmm. for her to respond to that. Like, yes, say okay. I see. I know the difference in in you now and then, and the good and evil. Like that's not, you know, we're we're born with evil. But mm-hmm. the fact that she can tell the good, yeah, is is incredible. And my kids never knew the life before. Mm-hmm. L- Letitia never knew the life before. So. When I talk about the first 29 years of my life, um, sometimes Letitia will just say, well, you're painting it worse than it is. It couldn't have been that bad. Yeah. I'm like, I'm actually cleaning it up. you yeah. know. But um, it's hard sometimes for people. To, you know, mm-hmm. Even today, just this morning, someone's like, well, you're a pastor. You wouldn't understand. Oh, <laughs> I heard wow, that yeah. this morning. And I'm like, well, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Um, Life is life, and we, you live it, and you learn from it, and hopefully it pushes you and draws you towards the understanding of how necessary a right relationship with Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, how big eternity is. I had a couple of meetings with people about funerals this week, and it makes you think of the eternal. Right. You know, it reminds you that this life is finite. Yeah. So you're you're out of the Marine Corps. You 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 end that, and then um, how did you find uh, wanting to go to to seminary? Okay, so I never went to seminary. I never, did take okay. some Bible college classes. I am the least educated on staff. You don't have to well, you can cut not. that part out. No, I, no, I'm leaving it in because <laughs> I am the least educated. Um, I did take some Bible college classes and what have you. What happened was is I was I got out of the military was working for an electronics company, was making a lot of money and thought I was set. Mm -hmm. But I was miserable. Um, 
so I, um, on my 29th birthday, I contemplated nearly attempted suicide. That led to the day after where I showed up in a church that I had been going to for a little while because I was recently divorced. I had a daughter that I was caring for, and she wanted to go to the church with the bird, which she showed, we drove around town and she helped me find the church she was going to before, and that's when I started going to Calvary Vista. And um, so I started going there and listening, but I was just sitting there because my daughter was down the hall, yeah. and it was for her. But little by little, it soaked in. Yeah. And from October to February, the Lord was working on me in various ways. I bought a Bible. People were writing their Bibles. I started writing in mine. I started following what other people were doing and trying to emulate Christians, but I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a believer. And I almost... From the time I was a young kid, I thought about and contemplated suicide, attempted once or twice in various ways. All mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have been successful anyway, but I was a kid and I yeah. just wasn't happy. And I realized something was missing, and that's when um, I came to Christ. And it was a there's a long story there that's hours and hours long, but the long and the short of it was within like six weeks. Um, People were asking me to share my testimony and to talk at different places. So I was kind of thrust into ministry, mm. and it wasn't good. Um, it was too soon. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was prepared. I could tell my story, but that was about it. Sure. And um, But they, nonetheless, guys kept pushing in that direction. So I wound up doing a lot of like homeless ministry and teach a Bible study there, do this with some guys here. And I got the bug. I was like, I like this. I like, mm -hmm. I like putting two and two together in the scriptures and joining the text together and seeing what it means to living as a Christian. And um, so, I took some classes. I was still working. I was working electronics. And after a while, the Lord just kind of got a hold of me and said, "You're going to go plant a church." And I was like, no. <laughs> or if I do, can I do one in Tahiti or somewhere <laughs> like that? And you're in California I'm at this In California, point? living in a nice neighborhood, in yeah. a nice house, making a nice living, going to a great church. I mean, we had everything. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Sarah was one year old, um, and the Lord sort of got a hold of me. And Letitia was pregnant with Jake when it really happened. And, and, um, through a various, uh, a long list of things that happened that were all pretty miraculous, mm -hmm. we found ourselves headed to, headed to Texas. I had how about, did that come about? Like, because there wasn't like a job posting, right? Like they were it there was like nothing. Monster dot com, you know. <laughs> I had family in the next town over, twenty miles away. Okay, and we'd went and visited once, and I we went from visiting, I think. Sarah was eight months old when we visited, and we went back to California. And every time I'd study for this little home fellowship that I was teaching, so I had a little home group, I would see this city, Mount Pleasant in Texas. And I'm like, Lord, not, not there. Mm -hmm. I mean, any place but there. That's the Bible Belt. We don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just prayed about it for a couple months. Letitia was wondering what was going on with me because I almost go catatonic when I'd sit down in a room. And so she said, you can tell me anything. And I said, well, I think we're supposed to go to Texas. And um, she said, well, I'll pray about it, which blew me away because her brother lived literally four houses down on the same street, mm -hmm. and her mom lived eight houses down. Mm -hmm. And she has like 80 relatives in Vista, California. And uh, I said, okay. So we started praying, and there was crazy stuff that happened. A neighbor moved in, put a topiary of Texas in the front of their yard, and Southern California, which is strange. Mm -hmm. um, my job gave us a bonus early that was able to pay off our debts. And so I was really able to, if we wanted to go follow the Lord, to follow Him almost anywhere. And um, it led to me going to the pastor, me being brought on staff for about eight, nine months. So I went through OJT, so to speak, in ministry, all the different ministries. I, I rotated through them all at a fairly good-sized church, so it was helpful. We packed up, went to Mount Pleasant, Texas, and started a home Bible study in our living room. Yeah. Did Letitia, did she work 
Did she ever work or did she, she just stay at home? She worked until she was eight months pregnant with um, with Sarah. She was a PT aide. That means helping people get up out of bed after surgeries and okay. all that. It's a little hard when you're pregnant. Sure. And when she was about seven months pregnant, maybe, she was going to work up until the baby was born, and then we'd see what we could do from there. When she was about seven months pregnant, uh, a lady sat back on her. Oh. And um, so we were concerned for the baby, and she was fine. But so she stopped working then, and she's she would tell you, even you know, because your your wife would probably say the same. I think Misty probably the same exact shoes. Being home isn't exactly not working. No, yeah, for sure. No, <laughs> and when I say that, yeah. yeah, when I say stay at home, I don't mean like oh my goodness, you're just sitting on the couch eating, eating bonbons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just eating Twinkies or whatever your, your snack of choice is. There's a lot. I know there's a lot because. I can tell, like, if she's ever gone out of town. You see, you can I'm see like, to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's stuff that there's stuff hasn't that, been done. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much. I um, I appreciate. I think being a ministry wife is one of the hardest things. Mm. I really do, because the demands of ministry are different. Oh sure. You can go one yeah. week where it's everything's totally smooth sailing. The next week, you're just crazy not around. You yeah. know, it just happens. Um, Letitia has homeschooled. All the kids, um, you know, Jake and Sarah, all the way through to high school. I'll do the classes that she doesn't like too much or <laughs> has a hard time with, yeah. but very few. She's yeah. better in English than I am, that's for sure. And um, and then, you know, she's got Beth. She's homeschooling now. Ryan will be coming up through there again mm-hmm. as well. They have a co-op on Friday. They do. She's she's a busy yeah. busy woman. Yeah, you know, and takes care of her. her mom's lived with us. For since two thousand four, so we have we have seven people in our house. A ton of people in your house, man. Oh, dude, seventy five or seventy six down to three is the is the spread in the Anderson house. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Brian and I were talking about that. Like, it's just gonna go by in a blink, though. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, But you're you're kind of in this spot where I want to be again, like the young kiddos with the, I don't like the screaming and the crying obviously but like <laughs> I have I think I definitely have some like audit audio issues like yeah um where like I get really anxious like my body will tense up if like loud. if it's loud or like if no if two like if two people are singing two different songs I go crazy like I can't that, I can't do that's, it that's got to be a musician thing yeah or like if two shoes are in a dryer, you know, like do 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 do. Like there's no rhythm to it. It gets, <laughs> it gets me going, dude. That's you know? so funny. Yeah, the auditory stuff really, really it, gets. It to bothers me. me too, but that's because of the war. Yeah, yeah. There's certain noises. There's certain sounds. There's certain visual cues. Sure. That will that will send me into a couple more nights of not yeah. sleeping. Yeah. Well, all that to say, I wish I had like a baby to hold. Like I want to do, I want to do that again. Well, can I just recommend adoption? It's the best. <laughs> yeah, that's what everyone says, right? It's 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 really awesome. Um, I I absolutely think that it's a it's a path a lot of people could go down mm-hmm. and be a blessing to a life. Yeah. You know, I look at I look at my kids, um, our two youngers. We we call our kids 1.0, 2 mm-hmm. Our oldest Elise out in California. That's one Jake and Sarah are 2.0, and Beth and Ryan are 3.0, because they're about that far apart. Yeah. I mean, all those 35 to 26, and then 24 to 9, those are the gaps, you know, between mm-hmm. those set, sets of kids. Um, we uh, <laughs> we look upon our kids, and we see such a great opportunity for folks to to have a different life and make an impact in a young child's life that's just no doubt. eternal, you know. Um, Beth and Ryan, man, they they run us ragged, but I couldn't imagine life without them. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That's so great. Yeah. All right, so you're you're in Mount Pleasant. You're leading a church. You're senior head pastor. Yeah, the head pastor of a church in Mount Pleasant, Texas, is um, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's small. Oh sure, yeah. Um, when did you start the Nathaniel Project? 
Nathaniel's project got started, um, I think it's 11 years ago now. Okay. Um, and give some history behind that, like the name, okay. why, why it started, how it started. Well, the Nathaniel Project is really interesting because it started, there's a thing that they do with pastors a lot. Colleges, Bible colleges overseas tend to be different than Bible colleges in the U.S. Mm-hmm. They're, they'll ask pastors to fly over there, spend two weeks, teach an intensive, you know, like four to eight hours a day every day for a couple weeks and teach through books of the Bible, and then bring some money with you to help keep the Bible college running. Yeah. So you pay for the privilege of going and spending grueling long days teaching through books of the Bible because you want to invest in the future. Um, most of those Bible colleges start with you know, 40 or 50 men that they'll bring in from outside villages into a city where you'll fly in, teach them, and then they'll go back home for two weeks, then they'll come back. So they're two weeks in the Bible college, two weeks back with their churches in the villages. Hmm. They have a super high attrition rate. You know, the Bible college that I went to in the in Cambodia had forty initial students. Mm-hmm. By the third round, when it was which is when I went, they were down to fourteen or so. Or, mm-hmm. And then the next two rounds, because I went back. Two rounds later, they were down to six. Uh, um, it's too hard to travel back and forth. Sure. You, you, some men go to the city. They've never been to the city from the villages, and the, the culture will scoop them up. And it's not a savory place to be, you know, so uh, kind of an unsavory place to be. And so it, there's a lot of attrition that way. Um, it's too hard, and they just can't do it. So we went, and the director of the Bible college that we wanted to go to in Cambodia sent me an email and said, what do you think? And I told him I didn't think it was good. <laughs> and um, I said, I think you should have a curriculum. It should all look the same, no matter who the different teachers are, that they should teach a certain way and they shouldn't teach application because Western application doesn't apply. Yeah. And I think you should bring it to the villages. So a friend of mine in in East Texas and myself sat down and started thinking about it. And we thought, well, wow, we can make it on videos. We could take it to people. We can give them a lot more than a few weeks worth. Uh, Nathaniel Project gives 51 hours of teaching through five books Mm. of the Bible to give them a base of those five books. And um, we can leave it with them. So how are we going to do that? Well, we got to record it. Yeah. The recordings are terrible. They're not <laughs> nearly as high quality as the studio or you're doing right here. But they're there and they're video. So we give them a player and the videos and send it out. So I said, This is how I would do it to this man. So he said, Great. He goes, Would you go back over to Cambodia with me one more time? And I said, Yeah. I had no idea what he was planning. And he he put me on the spot and he walked into that Bible college and told the the in country director hey, we're closing this down in two weeks. We're going to start something new, and we're going to pull our money in this guy and what he's going to do. <laughs> Worst place I've ever been. I felt terrible for them. Dude. Yeah, it just wasn't good. But we did get started. We did start in Cambodia. We we were there for seven years, um, 20 trips I think I made in seven years. And we went to all 25 provinces and taught in each of the provinces uh, 25 pastors and gave them materials for another 50 pastors. Yeah. Sent them, sent them back home to go through the materials. And rather than the 80, 80% attrition rate, we had about an 80% retention rate. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a good flip. And then from there, we, we, we're now in Kenya where we're at now. Yeah. The name Nathaniel is, uh, Nathaniel means gift from God. Everything we give the pastors is free. It's all for money raised in the U.S. Mm-hmm. For all the materials, we pay for everything. We pay for them to come to the conferences. We pay for their room, their board, their travel. And then we give them the materials to take with them for themselves and others. Um, it's grown. We also bring, we also bring water um, purification with us now. Yeah. We bring teams to do evangelism. We do outreach in the community. So we train pastors, and we outreach to the communities we go to. And uh, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. It's all, we we, we show up and we just be Jesus for three days in a community. It's really awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. And then Nathaniel was the guy that Jesus said, and I I see no guile in you, right? 
So when Nathaniel was brought to Jesus, when he was first brought to Jesus, and his brother went to him, he's like, yeah, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Jesus said, I saw you under the tree. I saw what you were thinking. And it's kind of the same thing. We want to go and teach people to teach the Word of God in spirit and truth in countries where largely it's prosperity doctrine and... Mm -hmm. There's a there's a really high Islamic influence, you know. We're we're trying to beat back what I would say the powers of darkness, and the Christian the the Christianese stuff that isn't true to the word and sure. is really bringing bad doctrine yeah. from the Western world to yeah. over there. And I've I've had some friends that have gone on the trips with you that are yeah we've got a we've got a blessed. bunch yeah they're uber blessed when they come back and seeing the the world through a different lens of of poverty and um yeah like you said the application does not work over there like <laughs> no yeah like oh you know yeah <laughs> we're like over here saying all right i'm gonna get you out so you can go to golden corral now yeah you know exactly. it's like that is not <laughs> or complain about our iphone or yeah, something you know right we open the fridge with quote unquote no food in there to yeah eat, nothing to eat you know yeah that's just so different you know $15 over there will feed a family of two for two weeks. That's crazy. Or a family of four for two weeks, yeah. That's cool. You can't even get a burger for $15 in the U.S. Not today. No. Not today. No way. So you're at Calvary Chapel in East Texas. Mount Pleasant, yeah. What did I say? You said East Texas, but yeah. Calvary Chapel, Mount That's Pleasant. That's East Texas, right? Yeah, it is East Texas. Okay, all right. All right, so you're at Calvary Chapel out east. <laughs> there you go. And... <laughs> It's oh, we gotta, too. We gotta get this recording right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're out east at Calvary Chapel, mm-hmm. and how did you get to Ridgeview in Rockwall? There was a man who went to church with us out there in East Texas for a few years. He was a chiropractor, and he moved his practice to Rockwall. He was, for a while, going back and forth between the two, Winsboro, which was by Mount Pleasant, Mm -hmm. and Rockwall. And he called me 2000, no, it was 2000, no, the first time he called me, it was 2007. Oh, okay. He called me to do a, um, he called me and said, hey, we have a men's retreat coming up. Would you teach the men's retreat? And I did a lot of side jobs. Uh, I worked, I was bivocational most of my years in Mount Pleasant. It was a small church. And um, and I did men's retreats to help supplement income. So he said, hey, we're doing a men's retreat. It's going to be out there by you in East Texas. And um, I want you to teach it. I'm like, for who? And he goes, well, my church. You know, I told him you're a good guy. I told him I know you. Mm-hmm. Come, and, come and teach this. So I did. And that's when I met Pastor Matt. And, uh, man, I just loved him from the start. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. He we come from a similar background. We both come from Calvary Chapel background. We both come from Southern California. We both see the scriptures and ministry very much the same way. And um, so we just kind of became friends. And uh, and we and we talk back and forth and commiserate over our ministry or what have you. And and he 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 wrote me a text once and just like, hey, how you doing? Out of the blue, I'd, I'd done three men's retreats by that time. I did two in a row. Then they took a couple year break, and then I did another one. Mm-hmm. And then they'd been a few more years. I haven't done anything. And he he sent me a text. Hey, what's up? And I'm like, oh, not much. What are you up to? Oh, he's getting ready to go to Israel. And I said, well, when you get back from Israel, maybe we'll do lunch again. You know, we used to we used to meet of all places in Greenville and eat sushi. I don't know if that was Ooh. the smartest move ever, nope. but we did. We survived. Um, so I said, well, when you get back, maybe we'll do lunch or something. And and he's like, well, maybe we can talk before then. I thought to myself, well, this is kind of strange. So jokingly, because I'd always joked about being his associate someone, someday, you know. And I wrote, well, if, you, if you're if you going to hire me, you know, here's my list of, of wants or requests or whatever. And he just sent back a text and said, well, that's great, but you know, let's get together and talk about it first. And I remember getting off that text and calling Letitia and going, I think... I think Matt's going to offer me a job. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord had already been stirring us that it was time for us to kind of move. We'd been there 19 years. Um, I think the church was where it was going to be. And really the people that we poured into, um, they were, they. I taught through the entire Bible. I, you know, in 17 years, it took me, I taught through every book of the Bible with that 
that group of people there. Mm -hmm. And I get this stirring when the Lord is saying it's time to move, and I was getting stirred. Sure. I don't know how to describe that. It just is what it is. And um, so we got together. It was about a three-month process. There was a lot of interviews. Um, I'm sure it was a little challenging for everybody, the board members and what have you, because um, it was different. And it was a, a change for us, obviously. Sure. You know, um, it took a little growing into, but, man, I'm so glad we did. I just, yeah. I just love it here. And I think we just have a tremendous, you know, we have a tremendous team. Mm -hmm. When you look at ministry, you can have, you can have a, a good pastor teacher, which we have in Pastor Matt, but to have everybody on the team going in the same direction and caring for one another, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if people see it, but it's, it's a pretty tremendous thing. It brings tears to my eyes. It really yeah. does. It's just sweet. Well, we talk a lot about unity in our meetings. Like yes, more than, more than uh, people would think, probably. You know, because we have we have our staff meeting, and then we have our our senior leaders meeting, which is the department heads of all yeah. the of all the departments. And um, more than more than not, it's we are the we're yeah we're talking about unity and how how do we do that and how do we come together to like what's our goal? You know, absolutely. And there was a season I remember though. This is funny when uh, the building was getting remodeled. Oh my goodness! And everyone was like, I, "It just felt like you would walk in, and it just felt heavy because stuff was not in its right place. Like we're working on the stuff, dust everywhere. Yeah, people like contractors aren't showing up on time. All mm. the stuff, and then when it got done, like I guess when the final paint got put on, I was like, something's different. There's a sigh. <laughs> you know, when you counsel a lot of marriages, you, you tell them, look. Don't build a house. <laughs> it's, it's just it just strains a relationship. Yeah. There's just so much going on when you're going through that, and and in the process of all that, I mean, poor Pastor Matt and Joyce. I mean, their house was being remodeled while the church was being remodeled, and then had to get done again. Yeah, they didn't have any place where they didn't have dust. I think for mm -hmm. a few months. Um, it was it was an amazing time. It was trying, but boy, I think we came out um, strong, supportive. Yeah. Loving, honestly, I mean, I think we laugh more in the halls of church than any staff I've ever seen, and and everybody gets along, and it's not a front. There's there's nothing there, yeah. you know. It's just like family, yeah. You know, and I think that's what I was probably longing for, and I think that's why the Lord brought us here because I just we didn't have that in East Texas. Mm. You know, we had some stuff, some good stuff, but you know. I was going to ask you about that, and hear me when I when I say this in, in the most loving way. But my, on my notes here is um, I wanted to ask you how how did it feel going from being, you know, the guy mm -hmm. to like not and I I say second, not second, but like you're it's not supportive. Yeah. yeah, you're you're in a supporting role. Um, for our for our pastor, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've he's he's carrying that torch now. Um, what was that like? As far as like, did you find struggle and like going? Okay, well, I used to do it this way, and mm -hmm. um, now I have to kind of come under underneath the authority of yeah. someone else. So, yeah, it, the, definitely there was a, there was a learning curve for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think um, I'm. Anybody knows me. I'm a strong personality. That's that's probably a plus and a minus, about equally, depending on who I'm talking to. Um, so it was different. Uh, Pastor Matt and I had our growth, our growing together phase. Obviously, uh, I think at this point, what I appreciate about it is the job. Okay, there's executive pastors, assistant pastors, and associate pastor. The job originally that they were looking for was an executive pastor. Um, I didn't want to be an executive pastor. An executive pastor is in charge of the building and the money, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and HR and that kind of stuff. That's really not my heart, you know. I, I, with what we do with the Nathaniel Project, my heart is to pastor people in ministry, you know, and that's what an associate pastor does. An assistant is the right-hand man that just, 
really is following after the senior and probably will take his position someday if the senior ever moves on. That's your, the person you're raising up. Mm-hmm. Um, our church is still relatively small. It's growing. There'll be more pastoral staff, I'm sure, down the road. Um, but I wanted to be an associate pastor. What I wanted to do was come in and be part of a team and help build a team. Yeah. Um, and that's tough mm-hmm. because when you had, you know, what we don't have and what we never want to have is silo ministries where this person is all on an island on themselves and this person is an island unto themselves. We all have to be able to integrate and, and work with one another. And that's where that family concept comes together. And I think we've been really, really good with that. Yeah. You know, but that's that's good leadership from the top down. I mean, that's the elders, Pastor Matt, you know, and um, and yeah, me finding my place to this is this this is a battle to fight. This is this is what I do. But honestly, there's not there really isn't a whole lot of standing in line to do what I'm told. Um, Pastor Matt and I have a I think a really good relationship. Sure. We talk through a lot of things and it's helpful. Yeah. It's very cool, man. Well, I'm glad you're here and thanks for sitting down with me today and Absolutely. talking through it. And um just want you to be blessed in, in the role you have now and carry the torch for as long as God tells you to carry the torch. And um, the Lord. thanks for all the ministries you cover and all you do for our church. Well, it's not me at all. It's it's the Lord first, Absolutely. as everyone would say. And man, it's you, it's Brian. I mean, we got such a great team. We got Jamie and Aaron and, and Wendy and Marsha and Melissa. I mean, everybody's... Barbara mm-hmm. and, and Joyce and Matt. I mean, that's kind of the main team there. And then you've got all those deacons and ushers and men's ministry leaders and John and the guys. And it, if you think about it, you just start going through the amount of people that come together to make things happen at Ridgeview. Man, it's fun. Yeah. And there's a lot of great characters and personalities there. Absolutely. I hope you interview them all. I, I hope to get them all on my list, but... Thanks again, man, and appreciate you coming out and chatting with me. And Thank God you bless too. you, and hope it keeps you all the days of your life, man. Awesome. God bless you, man. See you.